Welcome to Tree Dog Tuesday, only on the Fueled by Joy Working Dog Podcast. Alright ladies and gentlemen, Tree Dog Tuesday once again. Uh, this episode, not going to be super crazy, nothing nothing wild going on here, it's just going to be me. We're going to do a little bit of uh, Youth Nationals recap. Uh, we are going to do a couple listener questions and uh, talk about what we got going on with uh, Joy and the live coverage uh, going on next week. So yeah, should be a lot of fun. Uh, good stuff coming up, so uh, stay tuned. So let's take a quick minute to talk about Joy Dog Food. Now, I'm not going to talk about the quality of the product, how it's going to stack up just as good, if not better, than what you're feeding now. I'm not going to talk about all the things we do for dog sports and working dogs in general. Uh, I'm not going to talk about all the winners that are using Joy Dog Food, all the world champions and trucks and all that stuff that have won, been won on Joy Dog Food. Not even going to bring it up. What I want to talk about is how to get it. Uh, you want Joy Dog Food, go into your locally independent owned store. It could be a hardware store, a feed store, a farm and home. Heck, we've even sold feed out of a barber shop before. If they've got a storefront, We've got a distributor that can probably get them some dog food for you. We like to do business at the same place that you grew up in, that same little feed store that you bought your first pocket knife in and listened to your first hunting stories in. Those are the places that we like doing business. So go into that place. Give them your business. Give them our info. Go to joydogfood.com. Our office number's on there. There's a contact us page. Depending on what region they're in, they will get in touch. They will get that dealer in touch with one of the sales reps who will get them some dog food. So that's who we want to do business with. That's how we want to sell dog food. We want to do it with American small business, with an American product, and we've been doing it since 1945 with no recalls. So go to joydogfood.com, go into that store, and let us help you get fueled by joy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome, welcome. Another Tree Dog Tuesday. Um, I want to start off by just talking about Youth Nationals again. Now, I look, I know we did the live coverage. We're blowing it up. and Maybe we're, we're overdoing it just a little bit, but uh, I'm still, I can't help it. Great event. Uh, big thanks to everybody. Um, if you... Go back and look at the live feed and stuff. You know, we've done the sponsor list and everybody that helped make that, ha- make that happen. And, uh, yeah, go check that out because that's important too. Uh, the coverage was fun. The kids were great. Uh, Yant and Chris and all those guys done such a good job in Finley. And we had another successful weekend at Youth Nationals. Now, since I did not get to do the news desk, we... I covered the late round, uh, got into the Airbnb that we had rented, and then, of course, you know, Stacy and the kids, and Stacy's mom was with me all week, and so we made a long trip home, which is fine. I, re- I really did enjoy it. I like having the kids with me, but 
And, you know, when I'm on the road by myself, I get in the truck at, you know, after the late round, and if it's within 10 hours of the house, I'll just drive it. And, you know, and then I'll just sleep when I get home. But you couldn't do that with all the kids and everything. So it took a long time to get home. I didn't get to the news desk. Uh, I'd been gone quite a while, never got the news desk recorded, and so I wanted to make sure and give all the semifinalists uh, from Youth Nationals a shout-out. So I'll just go through the cast, uh, the semifinal cast. Uh, cast one was Big Time Woody with Case Earl, Country's Big Nasty, Josh Ashley, Willie's Little Ann, Kendrick, Gunner, Gay, and cast two, Winchester's Wild Rose, Logan Dillon, Rock River Stylish Rock, Chase Laws, Slow and Steady Drinking Bone, Aiden Mitchell, Can You Hear Me Now, or that was cast two, cast three is Can You Hear Me Now, Chesney Crib, Moby Jr., Evan Ross, Midnight Quick Jr., Carson Klom, and Blue Collar Thousand Dollar Trip, Elijah Hamilton, uh, cast four, Wipeout Zima, Avery Rhodes, Truman Lake Roscoe, Garrett Keeling, Rack'em Up Hype, Hope Cooper. Those are your semifinalists. Those are the kids that got a double cast win. Uh, it was hard to do out there to get a double cast win. We hunted Brandy all three qualifying nights. Uh, she won one cast and lost in the late round. Coons were hard to come by. Uh, not that there isn't any, it's just that time of year. Fantastic hunting. Uh, fall of the year, and three or four good coon dogs, you're going to put in a big score in there. But, uh, you know, it was hard to, them kids deserve some recognition because it was hard to double up. You look at the fit that everybody was throwing about letting the 18-year-olds that were in the youth division last year compete this year. You know, this would be their last year. We do it just like we do the PKC World Hunt. And folks threw a fit and... Oh, they get a, none of them even made it to the finals. I don't think any of them made it into the semifinals. I think, you know, you look at the Ryan Lee hands and Brantley Berries and stuff like that, they didn't, they didn't win nothing. It was hard. And then you look at the champions. Now, the, the winner of those four casts were Willie's Little Ann, Gunner Gay. That is your uh, preteen cast. And then in the big kids, it's Slow and Steady Drinking Bone, Aiden Mitchell, Moby Jr., Evan Ross, Wipeout Zemra, Avery Rhodes. So you got one little kid in there. And guess who won the whole thing? The preteen. Willie's little Ann, Kendrick Gay. And so, yeah, congratulations to him. Uh, that just goes to show you that maybe before people overreact, you let and wait and let and, and see how things play out. Uh, that's important in the social media age. Don't jump to conclusions. Uh... Don't cancel everybody just yet. Maybe wait, see what happens. <laughs> That's usually the best policy. And those guys that skipped this hunt because they were mad the bigger kids and they really missed out. Like Ant said, the only person you're hurting by skipping this is the kids. But anyway, 176 entries. Fantastic hunt. Uh, all the guides, judges, everybody did a good job. And if you don't have a chance, if you have a chance to make it down to youth nationals next year, I suggest you do it because it it's awesome. Got throwing the football around, playing a little touch football. Kids are playing kickball. Uh, the Saturday meal and all the meals. You know the FFA Ryan done such a good job cooking um, his chicken to die for. 
I'm telling you, that was some of the best chicken I've ate. But anyway, uh, great, great event. You guys need to come by next year. Uh, we can always use the help. We always need guides and judges. Uh, Yant does a fantastic job organizing all that stuff, but he's not going to turn down any volunteers. Uh, next year, I think it's going to be over 200 entries, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I, it's gotten bigger the last, got bigger this year over last year, and this next year will be the third year. So I think it's going to be the marquee youth event in the country. It's the only standalone youth event of that magnitude in the country that pays anything. You know, that's the only time you look at the Youth World Championship and they're, they're stuck in there with the big guys too, you know. That just, it's going to be during Super Stakes this year. Normally it's during the World Hunt. And so, you know, this is a good event to just focus on the kids and enjoy ourselves and so yeah i wanted to recap that congratulations to all the double cast winners all the cast winners all those that got to participate and had fun and especially your final four and especially your champion uh kendrick gunner it said gun or something like that on his uh <laughs> on his printout of his cards you know and i was reading them doing the cast matchups on the on the uh you know on the play-by-play -play and on the live feed and uh, they informed me that it is Gunner, and that was just misspelled. And he is not a rapper. <laughs> he don't, does not have an aspiring rap career. Because <laughs> he said that sounded like a rap name. And so, yeah, that, that was cool. We had a lot of fun out there, and you guys definitely need to come check it out. So, All right, let's get to some... we got a few listener questions for this week, and then I want to talk about where we're headed this weekend with the live coverage but yeah let's 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 do a couple listener questions real quick all right first question comes from mr daniel grice uh recently moved up from alabama to centerville iowa area so he's not far from here maybe me and daniel get together for a hunt one time or sometime but uh yeah he had a question for me and finley and since finley ain't here i'm gonna take this on my own uh he says i'm new to coon hunting been listening to your podcast with joy dog food and i've got a question uh that you maybe could talk about and that is what is a brood female i've always heard people talking about them but don't know exactly what they are and yeah for a new a new hunter a new person into hunting dog sports i can see why you wouldn't know what that is and frankly my opinion on brood females is probably gonna well a lot of my opinions ruffle feathers but i know this one does but a brood female is a female that shouldn't be bred, but is. <laughs> That's not the technical term, I'm sure. But when someone says, hey, I got a good brood female, it means it's a dog that's probably bred really well. Her parents, grandparents, etc., were probably really good dogs. Uh, but she isn't, either by her own doing or uh, that of who raised her and started her and trained her. Uh, this is a dog that is not sufficient enough in the woods to be a good coon dog. But maybe she has a possibility of throwing good pups. And I am anti-brood female. I don't think a dog that does not have at least the ability to tree a coon by itself uh, should be bred. You know, I don't think that that's something we need to promote or do. Uh, I think dogs that are dissatisfactory in their chosen sport should be either spayed or neutered and that's it i don't think they should reproduce you know as a breeder and as a dog handler it is hard to tell 
what dog is going to reproduce and which one isn't. The only metric that we really have is their talent level and their ability to do their job. That's it. That's the only metric we can use. Uh, yeah, we can say, and hey, there's a lot of females that were no good that threw really good dogs. But you know what? Those really good dogs, there's something in that dog that made it. And sometimes it is just pure, not the dog's fault. Uh, genetically, it's fine. It had the ability to be a great dog, but uh, the trainer messed up. Maybe it's not getting hunted. Maybe it's something. But there's so many good dogs out there. Why take the chance that it's, that it's a training issue and not a genetic issue? And yes, that female may throw really good pups. But what are those pups going to throw? What are their grand pups going to throw? The only viable way to get a successful breeding program, in my opinion, is not only to make two good dogs have some puppies, but to stack those up generation after generation after generation. And I'm not talking about, oh, they have to have money won, or they have to have a grand knight title, they have to have something. No, they just need to be really talented, or not really talented, they just need to be good coon dogs. That's it. You know, get a, get a dog that's well-built, got a good mouth, and is fairly good at tree and coons. Those can have pups. Uh, the rest of them, I don't think should. And I'm trying to think if I've been guilty of breeding a brood female. I don't think I have. You know, all the females that we bred were pretty decent coonhounds. Um, you look at Squeak. Uh, PKC World Hunt finalist, good coon dog. That is Khan's mother. Uh, you know, you look and Duds is out of a female called Suds. Uh, won the pro race, I think, in 2011. Really good coon dog. Uh, we bred Duds to Squeak. Uh, through a really good litter of coon dogs. Khan is a, is a uh, product of that. And we bred Khan to Dream. Now, Dream was a good coon treer. Uh, was a little had a little bit of a lazy bone to her. Dynamic mouth. Uh, definitely worth worth having a litter of pups out of. Uh, some of the females I bred to Duds, you look at the a dot. She was out of Timber Tiger. She was a Grand Knight female, but uh, she was nine, I think, when we bought her, and we bought her just for the sole purpose of breeding back two Duds. And I hunted her when we bought her just to double check, just to make sure hunted her for quite a while she had a good mouth good coon dog too so we bred her um been a few others you know hazel of course really nice little dog uh, we just got a litter of pups off her in shock that are nine months old uh, we just breed good females and we have a lot of success there and so does a lot of other people now there are people that have success with a dog or two out of females that were not any good but that's going to come back to bite you eventually, in my opinion. And so that's my stance on brood females. They shouldn't even be a thing. Uh, if the dog isn't good enough for you to carry to the woods, it's not good enough to raise a litter of puppies, in my opinion. Now, you guys do what you want. Take good care of your dogs. That's all that matters. If you want to have a litter of pups out of a brood female, by all means, don't let me stop you as long as those dogs are well taken care of. Uh, but... Don't try to sell me one, I ain't gonna buy it. <laughs>
<laughs> I guess that's all I could say. But yeah, a brood female is something, is a dog that's lacking in the woods. She's usually bred pretty good. And that's that's the definition of that. She's just there to raise pups. She's not hunted. Um, you get brood females out of these some of these semen crosses that shouldn't be bred to, and males. You know, someone spends 20 grand on a straw lipper semen and has four or five pups. They ain't gonna spay and neuter none of them, even if they are junk. No, they just keep keep breeding them. And lippers, I'm not, I'm not picking on lipper either, folks, but I don't care if it's rat, lipper, nailer, all these great stud dogs from the past that have been collected and had, had semen pups, those, you know, those dogs had a lot of dogs that weren't any good in their career too. And just because they're dead now don't mean we got to keep them all. And it definitely mean, doesn't mean we got to breed them all. So that that's my thoughts on it. Uh, touchy topic, I guess, <laughs> with the brood females, so... But anyway, that, that's the answer to your question there, Daniel. Let's move on to another one. Let's see what we got here. We are going to move on to a competition hunting question, and this is from Mr. Jason Sutmiller. Thanks for sending this in, Jason. But uh, how do you feel about finding the coon for the other guys in the cast? And is it unsportsmanlike to see the coon and not show them? So there's a two-part question there. Um... I'm going to look at every tree. I'm going to help people find coons in every tree. Um, depending. You know, if a guy's a real butt, real ass in a cast, I'm not going to help him find his coon. But um, that's very rarely the case. You know, I'm going to I'm gonna try to help them find their coon. Uh, just about everybody I compete with is the same way. But if you do not, help someone find their coon I don't care uh, I'm not mad if someone doesn't help shine my tree uh, I don't it doesn't bother me in the least not even the slightest I will still shine their tree uh, in my opinion it is the handler's job to find their own coon under their own under their dog's tree uh, if I'm treed by myself and there are three guys standing there with their lights off listening for their dog somewhere else and it's just me looking for that coon I I'm not going to be mad I don't I don't care in the least I don't think it's unsportsmanlike I think it's the handler's job to find their coon uh that being said I do think it is you know a common courtesy that most people are going to do uh even those guys that you know, some of them trees, they're going to glance up them for a minute or two. They don't see nothing. They're going to go on about their business. They may throw a light in the tree every now and then and look, but they're not really looking that hard. But I prefer uh, before the days before thermals. You know, the day before I was packing a thermal around, I didn't want anybody shining and squalling my tree. Uh, I would take the first two minutes sometimes. And sometimes that would make some people mad, and, and then they absolutely wouldn't help me find a coon. And that's okay, too. I don't care. Uh, but it's easier for me... Uh, I know where it, I don't want guys squalling on the other side of the tree for me and the coon looking away from me uh, just in case they don't have the same morals that I have uh, it's such a rare occasion though that people aren't going to show you a coon that you tree you know they're going to you're going to see it uh, you, if it's there you're going to find it 99.9% .9 of the time and one guy can usually find it especially now with thermals all right so I mean 
I'm throwing thermal up there. I'll find the coon with a the thermal, then I'll blow the squalor, or I'll see if I can't find it with the light. And if it's a non-hunting judge, you bring the judge. If not, you bring the cast over. So yeah, uh, I don't care if people look for other people's coons or not. I'm going to. But the second part of that question is the important part. Is it unsportsmanlike to see the coon and not show them? You dang right it is. Yes. That is a dirtbag move. And I about pulled it one night. <laughs> let me let me give you the give you the details there. I was at the world hunt. I can't remember if it's an early round or late round. I think it was an early round. And uh I was hunting Bella. And she had treed two coon and then she was treed out of hearing again. Hadn't won, got far from the truck, but we had walked away from her. And she was treed again, but I did not want to treat her when I walked away from her because I was two coons up. Uh, the other dog had treed one coon and took some minus. I had treed two and was treed again. And I didn't want to treat her. Probably should have looking back, uh, but there was no risk of taking that chance. There was not much time left. And the dog that's two coons down, uh, pretty much just me and him is all that's left. The other dog's out of it, but the handler's still there to score. So, yeah, it was an early round because we, we did not have a non-hunting judge. He gets treed. There's about, I don't know, 11 or 12 minutes left in this cast when we get to his tree. And it's a huge tree. And I am shining it. I'm trying to help him find his coon. Remember, he's still got a tree, this one, and another. And... With about 6.30 gone on the shine time, uh, I blow the squalor and this coon looks out. From way at the top of the tree, looks out about around a limb, and then puts his head back. Can't see his body, but I think I can make him move again. And I just about didn't say anything. I just about thought, they're not going to find this coon in a minute and a half. I'm safe, I'll move on to the late round. But I couldn't do it. And it takes a pretty low man to do that to someone who's competing against you and is, has been a gentleman all night. And those handlers had been. Uh, now, if they had been hard to get along with or something, I'm probably not showing them that coon. I probably would have. I don't know. I don't know what I would have done. But the thought did cross my mind for about 20 seconds of not showing them that coon, and then I, I knew better. Uh, I was raised better than that, I suppose they would say. And so I holler him over there. I blow the squalor again. Both of them see the coon. Uh, we plus this dog up. There's two or three minutes left to go in this cast. And I'm still feeling pretty good. I mean, this dog's going to have to tree a coon in like a minute and 30 seconds. And uh, we walk his minute. Uh, we cut loose. We The other dog was still out trailing. Uh, so he did get the opportunity to get cut loose. And... Uh, he goes 50 yards of trees, another coon beats me. <laughs> it happened. Uh, I think, you know, it, and it ha he did. He treated, the dog didn't get treat two coons in the last 12 minutes or whatever, scored two coons in the last 12 minutes. Uh, beat me fair and square. But, yeah, for there, a split second, I just about didn't tell him about that coon. And I'm glad I did. I wouldn't have felt right not doing it. And anybody that does find a coon and doesn't tell somebody is pretty low yes so the answer to that question is yes absolutely jason it is quite unsportsmanlike to see a coon and not show it to the rest of the cast members
I don't care what the situation is. You find the coon. Here he is. And everybody, I don't, I, the idea that that happens regularly is, is pretty, I mean, it just doesn't happen. Very rarely. I've heard of it happening before, never experienced it. And so, yeah. Anyway, that's my answer to that, Jason. And that's about it. For, we're going to do those two listener questions, and then we're going to wrap this up with a little bit of a schedule on what we got going on. Uh, remember, next weekend, Friday night, Saturday night, Michael Moody, Memorial Hunt, $100,000 hunt. Uh, Joy will be there live. I will be there live to cover uh, that event. Uh, the schedule will be Friday night. We'll do our early round matchups. We'll maybe do a couple interviews there from the clubhouse. Uh, we will do the early round winners and the late round matchups. Uh, that'll conclude our coverage Friday night. Uh, Saturday night, the semifinal matchups. We will be live during the whole thing. We will be getting updates in from the woods and keeping everybody updated as to how that hunt is going on in the semifinals. And then, of course, we will be live in the woods with the cameras for the finals. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's in Shawneetown, Illinois, Junction Club. Uh, and it is the Michael Moody Memorial. And I think it's uh, a credit to Michael for, as him being the, one of the ones, the pioneers of that style of hunt. When you look down at, you know, the $100,000 hunts and PKC and how they come about, he was a big inspiration and a big... Uh, well, he he was he was one of the two or three main guys that got those hunts going and made them work. And we lost Michael, and we're happy to come over there and and cover that hunt. So yeah, that's where we're going to be. Uh, look for it on the Joy Dog Food Facebook page. Uh, make sure you guys tune in. We love the comments. Uh, we like to interact with the fans that are on the live chat, and so we do that. But yeah, that's where we're going to be. Uh, that is it for this week's Tree Dog Tuesday. If you have any questions that you would like read on the air and you want to hear them on the podcast, just send them in to josh at joydogfood.com. We like to pick a couple every week, and, uh, you know, right or wrong, we'll give you an answer. <laughs> so, yeah, send those questions in. We really appreciate it. Uh, remember to uh, continue to support Joy Dog Food. You know, that's how we do the live coverage and how we do... This podcast and all that stuff that we bring to Hound Sports and Working Dog Sports in general, we do it through your guys' hard work and your patronage through buying Joy Dog Food. So uh, keep it up. We appreciate all our customers, all our listeners, and uh, we will see you again next week, if not sooner. And also remember to tune in tomorrow for the Fueled by Joy Working Dog podcast. we got some more Beagle coverage. Mr. Mike Green at the helm again. So uh, some good stuff going on there. Uh, check it out. And stay tuned for much, much more from myself and from Joy Dog Food.